I hate to say it, but sometimes, just sometimes, marketing can be its own worst enemy. I think we have the best of intentions, but it's the language that we use. We throw around terms like eyeballs and impressions and engagement. We talk about things that are going to pass. We talk about the sales cycle, the length of sales cycle, marketing qualified leads, blah, blah, blah. Frankly, I think half the time the other executives roll their eyes and the other half of the time they just don't even pay attention. So we're going to talk to Michelle Killebrew, who's head of marketing at PwC's New Ventures and who has been in plenty of organizations that have struggled with the connection to marketing, the relevance of marketing, and how marketing communicates. This isn't just a passive conversation on the language to use, but how marketing really needs to showcase value and get into the hearts and minds of the CEO. Today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Todd Wilms. Hello, welcome to the podcast. You know, when you're old enough, when you've been around long enough, you start to form some friendships, and a few of those, you kind of say, I knew them when. Well, Michelle is definitely one of those, I knew her when. I've known Michelle for a number of years. I'm excited to have her on. She is knocking it out of the park, crushing it, as the kids would say. Here at PwC, she's doing a great job at heading up new ventures. And she came on specifically to talk around this problem that I keep hearing over and over and over again from executives, which is, I just don't understand what marketing is talking about. I don't get it. I don't know why it takes so long for things to happen. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know what the results are. It's just not landing with me. And if marketing could talk about revenue, if we could talk about margins, everything would be better. So Michelle is going to walk us through the way marketing can connect, should connect with organizations, and how to add relevance into the C-suite, which is what, frankly, all marketers want. All today on the podcast. Super excited to have good friend and marketing maven, Michelle Killebrew, on the call today. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. As we do to everybody else, tell us, who the heck are you and why are you here? Goodness, thanks, Todd. It's a wonderful. It's wonderful to be here with you. Um, as as Todd mentioned, we've been friends for for a number of years, and I think uh, friendship formed through um, similar backgrounds in, in corporate marketing. But my my background is actually pretty varied. I started in product management um, back around the two thousands, right before the the dot com crash. So, um, but in Silicon Valley, gave me a wonderful foundation in terms of how software is developed, collaborating with the R&D team and the product marketing team to understand product market fit, especially in a time where we're really looking to pivot into um, different use cases for technology. And I was really fortunate to work with some of the, the industries first on the digital side. So I worked with the first online behavioral advertising company, actually doing a lot of statistical analysis for market research for their Fortune 500 clients. So again, early days in my career became really um, married to this idea of qualitative and quantitative through the survey research and through focus groups and bringing that to life. Uh, and again, with that first online behavioral advertising company, 
Had a stint in some e-commerce, which took me through to CoreMetrics, which was a web analytics company that was acquired by IBM in 2010. It was our IBM's first SaaS acquisition and its first line of business acquisition, meaning a couple of things. They didn't understand our business model, <laughs> and <laughs> IBM had no permission to uh, market to our audience of marketing buyers. You know, they had great permission in the IT space, but uh, our marketing buyers really said, why is IBM trying to sell me anything? Um, I was with IBM for a number of years, spanning a number of really exciting different roles, standing up a new division um, where our acquisition was just one of many acquisitions, building out that go-to-market globally, and scaling the first digital demand generation campaign because of SaaS marketing, right? You need high velocity. So something that had never been done within IBM before. Um, and created a new category. So led the strategy for social business when IBM was um, transforming from the, the traditional divisions of software, hardware, and services into social, mobile, analytics, and cloud. And then later came security. So really positioning a whole new category in the marketplace, which was a phenomenal experience. After that, I went over and did some time in wealth management, regulated industry, B2C, um, high-velocity, uh, again, thinking through performance and demand generation in an SEC-regulated organization where marketing has to drive 100% of inbound leads because SEC requirements say that sales cannot solicit, right? So, um, ultimate power from a marketing perspective. After that kind of pivoted back into startup land, had a lot of fun working with consumer IoT for a hardware product. We launched a delivery subscription model. Um, and so it was this really interesting convergence of high tech and uh, recurring revenue and consumer and collaboration with Amazon, even into Alexa integrations and all kinds of fun things, um, which has brought me to my current role in PwC, where I lead marketing for new ventures. And so, you know, I've have some of this experience in enterprise and startups and regulated industry and have the privilege of bringing to market a number of new startups that have been built and launched within PwC's new ventures, about 10 of them in the pipeline um, right now. And uh, we're building out a team and the infrastructure to actually launch these products to market and scale up the revenue. So really exciting. Well, I can absolutely see why PwC was eager to uh, get you on board with the background that you've had and the experiences that you had in particular for a new ventures market, you're a, a natural fit. And I know you're knocking out of the park there. So we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. You know, one of the, one of the things that I like about you and your background is, so I've talked to a, quite a few marketers that are, you know, I'm a B2B enterprise marketer or <laughs> I'm a B2C marketer or I'm a, and they define themselves and they've had a career that's been very, coordinated in that space. And there's certainly tremendous value there of knowing that you can go into something and really sort of own to become a subject matter expert in one particular discipline. Yeah. With you, you've maintained the core of marketing, right? Your career has not been haphazard, but you've also been 
uh, not risk averse and you've gone in and taken some opportunities and tried a few new things and gone into new spaces and extended yourself into some um, places that other people might have felt a little risky or a little uncomfortable. And you've always been one willing to jump in and take the core discipline of marketing and apply it into this new category or endeavor or engagement. Um, startup world is very different than IBM. And, and so you've juggled between these dichotomies, which I think is really fascinating. And I, I want to hear a little bit about your experience about moving in between these different organizational styles. And then I've got a couple of questions for you, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that for a minute. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think you're right. I think it's um, it's been a wonderful experience for me. Certainly some of it serendipitous, some of it quite intentional in terms of leveraging leveraging that experience, bringing that 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 insight from one industry or one business model to another, there is so much that can be um, that p- can be learned from a different perspective. The one thing that I keep in mind always is that marketing is you have to be customer centric, and so if you apply that customer centric mindset and have real empathy for what your your customer your prospect is trying to do. Um, if you're proficient in that and you understand how to pull the levers or engage with your your prospects and meet them where they are, you're going to be successful. Um, and, and some of what we were able to do within IBM was actually just be mindful and inspired from B2C marketing in terms of what do, what do your customers want? I mean, everybody today recognizes that there is a sort of convergence <clears throat> between B2B and B2C marketing, especially since, you know, the development of the iPhone, which believe it or not, goodness, over 10 years ago, right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that level of expectation in terms of consumer experience and how that translates into employee experience and how that, and again, translates into B2B buying experience. And people have a different level of expectation in terms of meeting them where they are. And of course they have infinite choice and ultimate control in a way that they didn't have 10 years ago. Um, And so being able to shift between large organization and smaller organization, it, it just helps you look at things from multiple angles in a way that, can just bring those fresh and innovative ideas and, and make you more more successful. Well, let's let's pull on this thread here a little bit because I think this is going to be interesting. So, um, I hear a lot of lip service around customer experience, customer experience marketing. I hear a lot of lip service around this idea of you know the customer is king, and and what I think that means for a lot of organizations is the customer is king as long as. I'm telling them what I want to tell them. The customer, <laughs> right. as long as as long as I'm uh, I'm telling them about the features that they should like in my product. The customer is uh-huh. being as long as they enjoy the solution that I'm presenting them because I know best. And yes. and I, I I think there's a real struggle there for almost like giving up control for organizations to to really embody this idea of customer experience and customer being centric to the entire, you know, marketing, sales, product, service, support, the entire experience. I just think organizations really struggle here. I'd love to get your thoughts there. I think it's true. I think that even, especially large organizations that have 
been used to have sort of control of their brand, for instance, or control of their experience, they're, they're used to having that sense of control. And so even though they may recognize that customer centricity is important, it becomes the talk and not the walk, right? Just exactly yeah. as you're saying, where, yes, we're customer centric, but they're not really. <laughs> um, and I think that that's, unfortunately, a slow evolution in some organizations and a slow evolution that will, um, will cause pain. I mean, I think that we've seen a lot of disruption with startup organizations that truly recognize their customers' challenges and, and put, put their customer in the center of everything that they are building, doing, messaging, engaging with, um, and you know, recycling that feedback into product development, really building out that experience that serves their audience. I think we've also seen just, you know, negative headlines with Silicon Valley bu building product in search of a buyer. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. that from that same challenge. Um, you know, it's, I've built something because I think it's cool. Now I need to go find a buyer to force fit into the market segment. I think it plays both ways instead of, you know, really understanding there is a, a pain here that we can solve in a unique way for a specific audience and, and truly be empathetic and understand how we can solve that challenge for, for our core audience. Well, it's a lot of what we talk about in the book, right? And, and it's this idea of, uh, you know, a solution in search of a problem, right? So you yes. build something really amazing and then you go, okay, now what's it going to solve in the marketplace? I've built something <laughs> because I'm passionate about this thing, but but there's no buyer, there's no, there's no market on the other end of it. And so we go in and force and try and create one. And, and a lot of people do it because they go, well, you know, Steve Jobs did it with the iPhone. N no, what happened was there was a market there. We didn't realize we needed it. Once we were presented with the solution, we realized we needed and would enjoy this as a, as a product. And the, the solution was there, but the problem always existed. We just weren't keenly aware of it. You're trying to go in and create an entire problem category because you've built a solution and, and that's mm -hmm. the wrong approach. Yeah. I, I also just building off your iPhone example there, um, because I was doing a lot of research on this topic again, looking to pivot around, uh, you know, 2000, 2001, the smartphone segment had been predicted by Gartner and the analysts for a long time with evolutions in Palm Pilot and some of those other early, early use cases. I think what Apple did well was two things. They, they truly focused on um, really understanding the nuance of that customer centricity in the product design. And then, of course, as they do with everything, ultimate marketing and positioning in terms of how they, they launched uh, the unique need in the market. Yeah, that's, that's amazing insight. And, and, um, and I think it's one of those, if we go back to sort of what we're thinking about with the customer experience piece, you know, how, especially now, and as you're thinking about this for new ventures and you're, you know, you're taking this sort of PwC approach to think of this, how do those bigger organizations get their heads wrapped around changing almost a cultural shift within their organizations to have this um, centricity around customer. Like I, I get the startups because you build it that way. You, you come into it and from day one, you're customer centric. And so it embodies everything you do going forward. But how do you do that with these larger established organizations that, 
need to suddenly transform themselves? How do they manage going through that process? Well, we approach it much like startups do. We started with a lot of user research. I, I, I goodness, I don't, I don't know how many hours, hundreds of hours of um, customer interviews in terms of pain points and um, understanding the true nuance of need and MVPs and all of those types of things. So the approach was very similar to a startup. Um, and, you know, I think like a lot of large organizations have found you have to sort of carve it out from the, the rest of, of the business. So it is, you know, standalone ventures organization within the larger org because they just operate fundamentally differently. The whole business model is different. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, you know, just a, recogni a recognition that you have to do things differently if you want a different result which is good. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Okay. So, uh, there's a couple other pieces that I want to, I want to make sure that we give, uh, air and breathing room for, because the, these are one of the things that I think are really important and I, I'm going to love your perspective here. So one of the things that, um, again, your unique background, talking to different types of business leaders in different types of organizations with different focus, um, how is it that you are seeing business leaders are thinking about marketing today? Like if you were to go in and talk to a host of the CXOs, CEOs, CFOs, CIOs, CTOs, et cetera, how are they thinking about marketing? What's their perspective? What's their, what's their framing is, you know, they were to have an honest conversation with you and say, I think marketing is blank. Goodness. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I, it's something I've been, thinking about a lot because I think it, in some areas we as marketers are making a lot of project progress in terms of being seen as strategic partners and in other industries there there's just a lag and so it's really varied I do think that statistically the tenure for CMOs is on the upswing versus uh, a couple years ago which is good um, I think that there is at least, and going back to the phrase that you <laughs> you used earlier, lip service around understanding that customer experience drives revenue and profit at, at a you know at a CEO level. Um, but what that means, how that translates to a day to day uh, CEO to CMO relationship, I think depends on that on that particular industry, on that particular individual, on that particular relationship. It was interesting to me to understand, in some cases, just where, where digital transformation sits in the organization. Does it sit with the CTO? Does it sit with the CIO? Does it sit with the CMO? Um, and in different industries and in different organizations, it sits with, with any, of, any of the three. Um, interestingly, I think the most interesting of the three is CIO actually, because, you know, you can imagine anybody who has reached, let's say 30 year tenure to reach the, that CIO status, they have grown up in an IT environment where their core objective was cost savings, right? It's infrastructure and cost savings. Now all of a sudden they're getting a mandate from the CEO <laughs> to actually drive yeah return on an investment in terms of digital experience to engage with their customers more effectively. I think the CMO 
has the has a has a different challenge and they have permission to engage with the customer but they may not be able to prove out their their contribution to revenue as easily as they might like to so yeah, talk about that one for a second because that's yeah. yeah that one's really interesting <laughs> right because okay um sales right yes. there's some small degree uh, good and bad right they're yep. connected to revenue and so if revenue is doing well sales is doing well right sure. if, if revenue is not sales is blamed and and yes. there's some opportunities where revenue is doing great and sales doesn't have a direct relationship to that and they're riding off those coattails and there's other opportunities where sales gets blamed and it's not sales fault. So right or wrong, there's a, there's a, a litmus test for sales, not so much for marketing, a little bit harder to tie them to a strategic driver. It's, it's true. And I think um, I was having a conversation earlier this week where somebody was just reminding me of the, um, the truism that, that CEOs are fundamentally, they understand sales, right? They have to, but yeah. there's a lack of understanding around marketing and that's good and bad as you're just kind of teeing up just in terms of, um, I guess, positive contribution or negative contribution to revenue objectives. And, you know, we as marketers, we try and do our attribution and, and what's working and what are the, the data um, points that we can actually point to. But it does become sort of difficult to, to talk to cause and effect. And um, I'm really excited to be uh, an advisor for a company called Proof Analytics, which is founded by the, the former chief marketing officer and chief commercial um, chief communications officer for Honeywell and BMC, Mark Stoos. And um, he faced this as a senior marketing leader and he's now built a solution for it in a way that helps marketers have that conversation, especially even with the CFO in terms of justifying budget, because you can look not only at the correlation between spend and impact, but have some understanding um, by looking at the correlation for your previous activities in terms of impact uh, over time, time lag. So when is that impact going to, to happen? Because we all know as marketers, you put a campaign in market and you're not going to see, you might see additional traffic to your site, but you're not going to see that impact on revenue until, well, whatever the length of your sales cycle yeah. is. And quite honestly, it's the, it's your nurture cycle. However long it takes to nurture that lead, get in front of that, um, that prospect over time on the marketing front. And then it becomes, of course, a, an MQL and a SQL. And, you know, that revenue may come, well, for, for enterprise, it could be 12 months later. And so, you know, I think that the challenge that we were seeing a couple of years ago with CMO tenure is, you know, a CMO would take the seat. They would implement some change. It would take three to six months to say reorganize the company or at least uh, the strategic objectives of marketing. Those campaigns would go into market. And then, you know, this, the rest of the C-suite would get frustrated that they haven't seen those results within the 12 months. And, you know, those results, that CMO would be out of their seat. And then, of course, the results come in, say, the next six months. They're not getting that sort of that credit. Um, and so there are now more effective tools to be able to look not only at contribution from an attribution perspective, but see, you know, that 
um, PR campaign that we launched six months ago is really impacting our revenue today because of the awareness that it drove, um, those types of things, which is exciting. One of the things that I love about C-Suite Radio, it's our sponsors. If it weren't for our sponsors, we might cease to exist, poof, pop into thin air. So please sit back and take a listen as one of our sponsors talks to you about the cool, amazing thing that they do today. Thanks for listening to our sponsor. Now, let's go ahead and get back to our in-depth conversation with Michelle Killebert. Well, it's it's just like presidents, right? When they come in and, and you know, six months into office, start talking about how well they've done with the economy. You know that those were decisions that were made, not even from the prior administration. Those were decisions that were made 10 years ago. So the the lag is is very real and very challenging for, for organizations. And it, it is one of those things that I, I think you're spot on did contribute to the short tenures of CMOs because it created this cycle of frustration where yes. you couldn't come in and have a um, an impact in the time allotted for you as a CMO. And so that change would happen down the road, but by then you were gone, the damage had already been done. And so now yeah, that I think I, also something that, sorry, that exacerbated that is that marketers would then start to talk about engagement <laughs> and all of the marketing buzzwords that we use. We've had an uplift in engagement and our site traffic is through the roof, but you know, none of that translates to the rest of the, the business focused executives. And so um, being mindful of the word choice and, and putting it in the business context, the language that you use, the way that you frame the conversation will help you build the trust that you need to be able to communicate some of those concepts as well. So you get sort of the, the frustration and the time lag that you were just talking to, as well as a just completely miscommunication on, um, on concepts or words. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing too that, that contributes to this, that uh, a lot of marketers don't think of because they don't have the opportunity to have the insight there is, so what's the board really asking for? So it's yeah. one thing to say, you know, what's the executive looking at? But I've had a, a friend that was in a board meeting actually quite literally yesterday, um, or depending on when you're listening to this, might be sometime down the road. But, uh, you know, it was very fresh in his mind where he he sat down and, and had a conversation with the board about exactly what you were talking about. He was talking about engagement. And they said, that's great, but where's the revenue? We've been hearing about engagement for three successive quarters. Our sales cycles aren't that long. Where's the revenue? And, yeah. and so, you know, this is something that the board is specifically asking for, which is the thing that's putting pressure onto the CEO, which then trickles down and puts pressure into the rest of the organization. So I think there's also got to be this conversation, this awareness of, hey, what's the board really looking for? And as a marketer, yeah. Do you have insight as to what the board's expectations are so that you can use that to guide you for how you're talking to your executive team? I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think earlier in people's career, there's a recognition, right, that you want to make your boss look good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so. <laughs> it's, it's the same factor, right? It's like you want to make the, the CEO look like a hero to, to the board. Um, and you can't do that unless you know what uh, is being asked there. And I do think, you know, to that to that point, you can use terms like engagement as leading indicators, but they have to be in the con. They have to be in the framework of revenue uh, or a forecast. We believe this engagement will turn into X, Y, Z, 
or um, it, it has to be translated. It can't just be, you know, these vanity metrics um, that are, you know, that are eyeballs on a page. They might not even be the right eyeballs on the page, you know? So, yeah, so this is one of the things that I, I like to do on the podcast is, um, you know, we've, we've identified the problem. All right, so now let's start talking about the solution a little bit because we, we've talked about a couple things, but they're all related. It's this notion that um, we believe as marketers, that marketers deserve, marketing deserves a seat at the table. Uh, marketing has sometimes struggled with that in organizations, um, sometimes to our own fault because we use buzzy terms or we use things that that don't translate into a strategic driver for what really matters for the business. Um, and so there's a lot of finger pointing that happens. Sales points yeah. in marketing, the CEO points in marketing, marketing points back, nobody cares if marketing's pointing back, and then the marketer's out the door, right? And so how do we, both sides, how do we as marketers communicate with our business leaders? And then how do business leaders look at, communicate, and engage with marketing so that we can build a stronger relationship between these two groups. And, and I know there's a lot there, but let's, let's just start with what your first sort of reactions are to that as a tee up. Yeah. So I think building on what we were just talking about, you have to sort of define a common language and in, in most organizations that common language is revenue and gross margin. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, starting there and then taking your, your peers on the journey in terms of how can marketing impact those two metrics and explaining some of the levers that you are able to pull in order to achieve that. And sometimes that is explaining the specific, um, like uh, the results of a campaign or engagement or web visits, or maybe it's just breaking it down into fundamental strategies and explaining um, that it's a scientific approach in terms of, I mean, marketing is math. I think that, um, and to diverge a little bit, I think that over, over the last several years, again, thinking through the eras through which people went through school and went through their career paths, marketing was previously pretty strongly bent in, in creative, whether it be word or visual creative. Yep. And this notion of, of math is, you know, let's call it relatively new. So you had um, a, a core set of senior marketers who fundamentally either didn't understand or were not comfortable with the math that it takes to succeed in today's, in today's world. Um, and, you know, I, I might hypothesize that they chose marketing as a career choice because they weren't fond of math to begin with. Right now, all of a sudden they're, they're faced with, you know, being held accountable for performance and trying to do forecasting and all of these types they of things. They tried to get away from math. And exactly. <laughs> like that's why I chose copywriting or, you know, PR, whatever those, you know, choices may be. And, you know, now, now this other duty has been laid at their doorstep in terms of, yeah, that's great, but um, how is it really contributing to, to the business? Um, so there, I think there, part of that is generational. But again, to refocus on, you know, today's modern marketer, 
you, ha- you have to frame it in, in the numbers. And that is the universal uh, language of business. And so if we are aligned on the core objectives in terms of how much revenue marketing will contribute or uh, impact, either in terms of um, breadth from awareness, we're going to bring in more awareness and more leads, or velocity, we're going to help improve sales um, time to close by nurturing or educating our our buyers so that they decide to purchase more quickly. Um, And being able to articulate um, and uh, align on the metrics and how we're collaborating, um, making sure, again, that there is consensus on who's doing what in terms of how sales and marketing collaborate and um, knowing that there will be a healthy tension. There should be a healthy tension, but it shouldn't be a brawl, right, between sales and marketing. Yeah. Um, in terms of what is, what is quality, in terms of what marketing is able, able to deliver. But I think it starts with showing up Um, understanding a common vernacular, collaborating to determine the common set of objectives, define who's responsible for what. And then, of course, show your work, prove it, right? Um, Yeah. And that'll that'll go a long way to gain the respect of your peers in the the C-suite, just in terms of um, really meeting them where they're at as well. Well, one of the things I liked when, when you and I have talked in the past and had an opportunity to sit down and actually like meet face to face and have a cup of coffee is, you know, the, one of the suppositions in the book is there's a stage that's missed that um, is for the detriment of both leader and marketer. And that's a testing phase where you know who your market is, you know who your customer is and who you want to go after. You've got a product and service. And what typically happens is companies go and then put all, you know, feet on the gas, right? And they're like, okay, let's go jump in the market. And, and then what happens is you realize you're not connecting with your customer. You're either not finding the right channel, you're not using the right message, you're not talking to them at the right time. Uh, one of the jokes that I make when I, when I speak at conferences is my podcast listeners are traditionally at one o'clock in the morning. I never would have known, I would have guessed ever that you know, that was the time that people wanted to listen to or engage in content for me. It was at one o'clock in the morning, but it's true. And I've got the data to prove it. And so it's changed how I market and how I approach the market. So without some of that testing, people go in and then they spend a ton of money. Again, this contributes to the, the sort of malaise that people have for, for marketing. Um, you know, they spend all this money and then it doesn't land and people feel like, okay, well, marketing is just a black hole. And one of the things that you've kind of challenged me on is, yes, that's true, but there's an evolution. Things you talked about today, you talked about the time lag, you talked about the common vernacular, you talked about how marketing doesn't align and coordinate with these other um, fundamental groups. And so, you know, this whole testing phase is one piece of it, but I think you have a more even evolved view of that, that takes all these other critical pieces into to factor and say, look, this is part of why marketing isn't necessarily playing well with or appreciated by some of the other leaders within the, the you know, business organization. Yeah, it's true. I think, um, well, two things just kind of piggybacking on that. I think determining product market fit, you have to experiment a lot. And once you've figured out what's working, 
then you add the fuel to the fire in terms of spend, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> don't don't ramp up your spend before you're figured out what's actually what's actually working. So I think that that's important, absolutely. And then secondly, aligning with your your counterparts, it should be a hack. It should be a shortcut to understanding what's going to work and what's not. Hearing from the front lines, from the, the either the inside sales reps that are on the phone with with your clients, and hearing what did they like about the campaign? Did the message hit well? What's, you know, what are the aspects of the script that are really hitting home? Are there nuances of the conversation that we have not incorporated in the campaign that would make it really just sing? Or um, understanding from sales in terms of win-loss analysis, where did we, where did we win? Where did we lose? Is it product? Is it message? Is it pricing? Um, Collaborating again with your product teams and understanding a couple of things. If they're doing all of this user research to understand um, the features and functionalities for the audience that they, they build for, they have an empathy and an understanding of the, the challenges that those users are trying to overcome that should be teased out in a very, not a feature function way, but into a value proposition way that could, you know, could and should carry your marketing really really far. Um, and so those feedback loops are what allow you to, to really be customer centric and meet your customer where, where they are because you're collaborating with the organization in all of the points where your customer is engaging. And um, yeah, so I think that that's, I think it's critical. You know, at the end of the day, I think you just say the heck with the customer. The customer doesn't really... <laughs> They don't, they don't really matter. We don't, we don't need them. Damn customers. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. And I, I look, we're going to have to wrap up here in a second, but the, the things that I love are your, your varied background and your, uh, and you know, unique is overused, but it is truly a unique perspective where you had this opportunity to work across a variety of different flavors of brands in different experiences, large and small, um, healthy, maybe some unhealthy, and really work through a, a variety of those to come to this place that helps you understand how to articulate this going forward. Mm-hmm. Two, I, I love this idea of, you know, you embracing customer experience, the customer's king, customer's front and center of the journey, and how to find ways, one, for marketing to own that and articulate it, Two, to share the wealth across a variety of organizations that should be looking at it and focusing. It can't be just marketing leading the charge. And how marketing has to take some responsibility in terms of finding common goals and a common vernacular to bring people along for the ride. I loved our conversation where we had the opportunity to talk about shared goals and what really matters for organizations. And I'll, I'll harken back to your comments about engagement. Engagement is great in and of itself, but it's one, it's one piece of the puzzle. It's similar to when organizations will say, well, I just want leads. Well, okay. And, you know, I go back to one of my earliest interviews with Lauren Vaccarello who said, great, I'll, you know, give me a thousand iPads and I'll go to a Giants game and I'll give you a thousand leads. It won't yield any sales, but you'll have a thousand leads. Um, leads are just a metric, right? Just like engagement, yep. just a metric. It's what's the what's the goal of the organization? Is it customer retention? Is it is it straight revenue? Is it 
uh, land and expand? What's your approach? What's the thing you're trying to accomplish that goes beyond just one of these little metric points? So I loved your point of view there. And then, you know, how you sort of challenge this idea of testing and evolving and really look at it as a layered approach into the market. And, uh, you know, I loved your, your point of views and your perspectives on that. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. It's, yeah, it's been a fun conversation for sure. Is there anything we missed? Anything you want to throw in? Any little pieces? Or if, you know, think about this as a business executive that's listening to this and is trying to find ways to connect in with their marketer, um, you know, last little bits of advice on, on how to go and approach that. Sure. I'll give, I've got a piece of advice for marketers out there. Um, we do so much persona mapping and making sure that we're using the right language for our customers. I think it's just, you just need to take that moment and pause and do that same type of exercise for your stakeholders Hmm. and understand what their pains are and what's keeping them up at night. And, you know, how much are they, they've got, you know, their breadth of responsibilities. This is a fraction of their understanding. So how can you meet them where they are and um, explain the value of your team and your function in a way that is easy for them to understand? It will help you, you know, progress your relationships and your journey. So just keep that in mind. Um, You know, I think sometimes it's easy to focus on that for the customer only and then kind of go about your, your marketing world. But, um, we do this every day. So just do it again for your stakeholders. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a little of, you know, physician heal thyself. Right. And, uh, right. And yeah, it's, I mean, I, so I think it's one of those things where we're great at doing it outside the organization. Um, mm-hmm. But I hear this about internal communications as well. Like we don't, yes. we also don't, talk to our employees. We don't, we don't let them know what marketing is doing or how we're talking to our customers or what the customer is feeling or thinking. And employees are amazing advocates as well. So uh, I'll take yeah. what you're saying and look at it one step further and say, look, for everything you do, every step you take for this external point of view, do it internally for your core teams and then do it for the rest of the company. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. Good Good call out. And then for um, non-marketing executives that may be listening, I'll just invite you to reach out um, to your marketing counterparts. Don't be afraid to ask um, what, what does engagement mean? Why does it matter? How does it translate into revenue? If, if you ask, you can open up the conversation as well. And I think that there is a desire to collaborate. And sometimes it's just, you know, you need to remind your marketer that they're using foreign language, right? And um, and they just need to explain it. Love it. Perfect. Well, that is a great place to end. So, Michelle, thank you for hopping on today. Wish you every success with your new role for New Ventures at PwC. And uh, thank you for coming in and sharing your point of view. And I'm glad that you connected the dots and helped to Uh, bridge the relationship between both marketers and uh, the rest of the business leaders and the rest of the organization. Um, Sage advice and really great insights. And thanks for hopping in today. Thanks, Todd. Pleasure to be here. All right. Thanks for listening. I just love Michelle's point of view. She's really been doing this for a while and she has this down. She has a way of connecting with other executives and other leaders to bring marketing into the fold. One of the things she does, and she does really well, and I'll 
pat myself on the back, one of the things I do really well is bridge a gap between the marketing and sales organization. It's better to have them as allies and advocates than to have this contentious relationship that I think we see in so many organizations today. And Michelle's been fantastic at creating healthy tension, making sure that the two organizations know, respect, and understand each other, but really building a sales marketing bridge where those two groups can go in and lead the direction of the organization and help them grow relevant things like revenue, like margins, uh, tackle new geographies, figure out ways to increase market share and what that all means and what that looks like that's meaningful for an organization. So I hope you enjoyed listening to Michelle today. I would suggest following her. She is pretty easy to find. It's Michelle Killebrew. Too many letters for me to spell. You'll have to figure it out for yourself on Twitter. She is also on Facebook. It's michelle.killebrew.98. And then again on LinkedIn at Michelle Killebrew. As for me, well, we hope you continue to listen to our CMO series. We're getting ready to ramp into our CEO series. We've talked enough with marketers. Now let's talk with the chief executives. That's coming up over the next couple of weeks. And if you would like, and we would love you to, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And by all means, please get a hold of the book Beyond Product. That's right, Beyond Product. It's doing remarkably well, picking up a lot of steam and getting good feedback in organizations that are using it in a meaningful way. You can find that book on Founders Place. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it at Barnes & Noble. And you can find it at your favorite local neighborhood bookstore. That's it for this week. Hope to see you next week. Have a good one until then. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.